subtle skills, big results. Welcome to the Ninja Selling Podcast. Welcome back to the Ninja Selling Podcast and another Ninja Coaching Spotlight that we're going to put together here. I am overly excited today because today we get to bring to you Michael Doyle. Uh, I refer to him as Mike Doyle. Many of you out there who know Mike are going to call him Michael because uh, uh, that is his proper name that he goes by in the real estate world. Mike and I have been friends for many, many, many years. And uh, in doing these spotlights, Mike's story is one that I've wanted to have shared for many, many, many years because I think we're going on 17 years of working with each other uh, with business and real estate and ninja. When we came time to do this, I told Matt, I said, Matt, I need you to do the interview because if we're going to do this justice and uh, I don't want to get stuck in the weeds with Mike, which we could very easily do, I need somebody who's a third party here to be able to manage this and to be able to go through the, uh, the important parts that I know all of you uh, want to hear and learn from and listen to because the feedback that we're getting about these spotlights is, is that this takes the fear out of coaching. It helps people understand what this journey might look like for others. And it also, from what I'm hearing from all the listeners, is that this is a great place to understand that we're all on a journey. We're all growing in our businesses and in our lives. And sometimes it's easy to look at somebody who's at the upper echelons and go, man, how did they ever do it? And it's years of work and focus and having a path and having a direction and, uh, Again, super excited. So Mike Doyle, thank you so much. Welcome today. Matt, also welcome, but Mike, thank you and good morning. Thanks, Gary. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Dude, it's gonna be great. So Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this to you right now. I'm gonna jump in where I awesome. can jump in and throw ideas where I have them along the way. But uh, again, let let's get this thing rolling, man. Yeah, this is great. Well, I'm gonna call Mike Mike as well, because that's how I know you from all the stories that Garrett have shared with me. Yeah. Which is awesome because I feel like we're already friends, even though we've only spoken Great. basically twice before getting to do this, which is which is yeah. a lovely thing. And I think <laughs> it's it's good, Matt. It's good. Yeah, my uh, my my friends call me whatever they want to. It's great. All right, whatever you want to. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Whatever. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> just kidding. so, Mike. I want let's start right at the beginning because I think a lot of people who are listening maybe don't know that the Ninja installation. Is I mean, it's over a decade old, but it's still relatively new in terms of what Ninja is. And you discovered Ninja before there was an installation. You met Garrett before there was an installation. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just start by, if you could share a little bit about how you got introduced to Ninja and what that was like and kind of what was going on in your world, because you shared with me before this, that there was a decision you had to make about either staying in the business or going and doing something else. So just share that kind of ninja intro and how you got started there. Yeah, great. Well, I feel like it was the recession at that time. So if I do the math on 17 years, maybe that's about just about right. I know that it was a cold, rainy day in Seattle. That happens here a bit at a building that I'm pretty sure has been torn down to make way for an expanded freeway. And yes, it was not an installation. It was Walt and Garrett in a one, maybe two day seminar. Yeah. Definitely no longer than two days. And yeah, that, you know, Matt, the decision, the point at, at that point really was, should I keep doing this? You know, I'd gotten into the business and, you know, things were, th things were good. It was at the sort of tail end of, of that boom, I guess I'll say. And, you know, I'd been able to 
survive for lack of a better way to put it on, uh, you know, as a, as a new broker and I was still relatively new, but you know, things were changing and changing quickly. And, um, I wondered if I should get back into some sort of technology sales. Now I didn't really want to, I knew that, you know, I knew that my heart wasn't in it, but I worried about, you know, I worried about making enough money to, uh, you know, to have a, you know, have the income that I wanted to have. So, you know, I went to, I remember exactly how the, you know, how it, how it came in my world. I'm sure I know that I know that it was a Windermere thing and I decided to go. And, you know, one of those moments where I, where at the end or after day one, I think I went up and, and, uh, spoke with Walt and told him I'd be interested in coaching. And he said, that's nice kid. Talk to Garrett, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, uh, that sounds like my dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, uh, I think in the middle of those two days, didn't we go? To, wasn't that when we went to Dragonfish, Garrett? No, I came up to visit you. We 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 were up doing an actual installation, is where we were. I remember we were at the uh, Seattle Center doing an installation. That's right. And uh, I got a hold of you, and I I still remember running through the streets of Seattle with you. So yeah, that was that was a different night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know, Matt. I think I got off topic, but that that was the basic context. I was, you know, I really wasn't. I wasn't sure that I could make it for lack of a better way to put it. It wasn't that I didn't want to, but but it felt, it felt hard. It was hard. Well, so what were the things, you know, you're doing this like two-day class with Walt Fry, yeah. Garrett's dad, and, you know, something must have been said that you were like, all right, I, I got to give this one more shot. Before I decide to go back and kind of fall onto plan B here, I got to give it one more shot. Was there a particular, was it, was this your first experience and exposure to Ninja, I guess is my yes. first question. And then was there something particular about the system or the culture of Ninja that gave you that inspiration and courage to say, Hey, let me give it a shot and work with Garrett and see if he can help pull me out of this. Yeah. I think you nailed it, Matt, with the word culture. You know, I don't remember a specific thing. I remember a general feeling of relief that, Oh, you know, there is, there's an entire group of people that are interested in do or who are interested in doing this in a way that's not cheesy and in a way that re really resonates with the way that I feel about it, which is that this should be done with the client's best interest in mind, with an acknowledgement that we're here to, you know, here to survive here, you know, here, uh, here, here to pay the bills and, and make a, make a living, but we're, but we're doing this on, on their terms yeah, for lack of a better way to put it. So for me, it was just that overall feeling of like, wow, I'm not, I'm not the only one who, and obviously there are other people in my world who were good brokers and coming from the right place, but it was nice to feel that there was a community that felt this way. Does that make sense? Definitely makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So Garrett, let me ask you, because so Mike comes into your world, you know, this is 07, 08, kind of how I'm doing the math in my head here. And Mike saying, Hey, I'm thinking about leaving the industry. Can you help me? Like, what did the beginning of that coaching relationship look like on your end when Mike came and what, what was the energy that was there that maybe in those first year or two you saw transform? Well, it's interesting as you start working with anybody, we start looking at like, where, where are they trying to go? And do they have a dream of what they want this to look like? And Mike had two dreams. One was he knew how to do tech sales, but he also, you could get it. And we, it was a lot of our coaching calls, Mike, that that would come back around on that. You would be like, 
I'm thinking about maybe just throwing in the towel and go in that direction. And we kept kind of trying to refocus and going, where, where does this really take you and what does this look like? You know, my number one goal up front, and this is with Mike or with anybody who's in that kind of transition period is like, can you get them to see the vision of what this could be and where we, this, where we could be going with this real estate career? And uh, for some people, it's hard for them to, to believe up front what it could be because it's out of the realm of what they've created in the past, what they've seen, what they've done. And I remember very early on that that was a big part of coaching Mike. Uh, and Mike, you're one of the most coachable people I've ever been around. Like you are open to ideas, and but you're also one that in a lot of our coaching calls over the years will say to me, yeah, Garrett, you know, I don't agree with what you just said, <laughs> which not everybody will do, but it's been a very healthy point of our relationship and coaching together is that you don't necessarily believe every idea I've got and everything that I'm bringing to the table and every breakdown of what I think is happening in the marketplace right now. And I think as we've grown as a coach and coachee, that's been very healthy communication for both of us because none of us has taken the other one as they've got all the answers or they've seen this market or they understand it exactly the way that it is. Just like I try to get you to go, yeah, I don't believe you when you look at your business that way. Uh, you'll do right the same back to me. And that's, I think, been a really good thing. Yeah, I've gotten better at it, Garrett. I've, I've, I've learned to say, now I understand that what I focus on expands, but that looks like a really big train headed my way. <laughs> <laughs> and that is expanding into my field of view very, very fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. exactly. So those first years, right? I mean, very tough economic situation going on across the country. Very tough housing market. Hey, wait, are you talking about right now? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Mike, you're looking at like, hey, I got I to gotta pay bills. I got to do these things. But you stuck, obviously you stuck with it because you're here today, right? You know, was there a point in those first few years where you were like, okay, I totally get it now. Like, I don't need to think about tech sales anymore. I'm ready. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'll let you know when I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had mentioned that on when we talked on the phone yesterday, you had said, yeah. hey, the imposter syndrome, right? Like, it's always there. Right. And, but I guess there's just a, a different level of how you let that impact what you're going to do in terms of the actions that will produce results for you. So, when did you start to dial in like a routine? Let's just say, like, where you were like, okay, these ninja habits, these are starting to work for me. I'm fully committed. Like, this is really going to work. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I'll say I can't, I can't, I can't speak to that answer. And I'll say that I've gone in and out of routine. You know, I recently reestablished a morning routine, which is, you know, essentially get up early, grab a cup of coffee, uh, sit and reflect in silence, sometimes with a, you know, a self-improvement book, gratitudes, et cetera. But, you know, I can't, I don't remember, Matt, the first time that I, that, that I got into a routine. When I imagine in the early years, it was just, the routine was, I need to do some of these actions, right? I need to. I need to get in flow. Yeah, exactly. I got, you know, pages and pages of written out gratitudes that I, you know, started doing when I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Garrett, did you see a difference in his? Can I answer a different question? <laughs> well, let me, let me toss it to Gary. Gary, when did you see oh, yeah. that change? Cause I mean, and we can even maybe even talk some numbers because I'm sure, 
you know, at a certain point we're like, Hey, I'm finally selling this much real estate. Like this is now working. So yeah. So numbers wise, Mike has seen an incredible growth with his business, whether Mike is like, I'm satisfied with where I'm at, like, or like I have way bigger growth that I still want to get to. Over the years, Mike has had an amazing growth in his business, which we can get into if you guys want to go down that route. As he shakes his head saying, like, never satisfied. I love that, by the way. <laughs> the interesting thing is that I will say, Mike, you've never been a perfect ninja. And I think it's a, it's a really healthy thing to understand that a lot of people look at my success with ninja as being a perfect ninja. And one of the things that I've always been impressed about you is that you don't do anything unless it's authentic. I have beat on Mike to make phone calls over the years. And Mike's like, yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And I've had to break that down and break it down and break it down to go like, dude, what doesn't feel right about it? And you're like, I was just thinking about you when I wasn't really just thinking about you. Like, I remember you saying that over and over again and going like, I'm not making that phone call unless I'm really actually thinking about them. And we've had to get creative, creative over the years of like, so how can you pull the car over in that moment and make that phone call in real time? So I'll get you to make your phone calls. Like instead of making a list and calling them later in the week, because you're like, that's not authentic. I think that you've always worked at having a routine. And I think for all of us as real estate agents and people that end up in this industry, we don't always work in that way of that being that structured. It's what's got us here. And I think you're a prime example of someone that's done a really good job of creating somewhat of a routine and sticking to it as long as it can feel authentic and genuine, which is what's made you have such a great impact with your people. It's because it's always authentic and genuine. It's never a check the box ever. Yes. And well, and how about, how about, you know, if we really value it, if we really value the flow for what it is, right, which I'll say is, yeah, sure. You know, sometimes it results in some real estate deals, but it's this like interstitial humanity Maybe, yeah, maybe it's worth pulling over every time and going, hey, Bob, you know, man, I was just thinking about you. Well, Mike, you said your superpower when it comes to ninja systems overall. And I, and I want to talk about how you manage creating the flow that you do do, right? You know, you said it, your superpower is making it not about you and believing in your heart that it really is about the other person. So can you just... You touched on it there that the whole point of flow is that, you know, humanity aspect. So can you expand on how you view that and how that motivates you to then connect with people, even though obviously the phone calls are elusive? Yeah, I think I can. I'm hung up though, Matt. I'm hung up on the word superpower because again, back to imposter syndrome. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I, I don't know. <laughs> what, you know, who are we interviewing here? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'll say, I'll say that maybe I can address that a slightly different way. Sure. Uh, and say that what I think I have gotten most from Ninja and from Garrett is mindset that without, I'll say it this way, without mindset, it, it's all built on a foundation of mindset. Right. And without that, it just doesn't go. Right. I mean, you can write all the gratitude you want. You can make all the phone calls you want. You can send all the handwritten notes. But if you don't pour the right energy into all that stuff, it just doesn't work. Right. So I think, Matt, the, you know, the, to get back to the, you know, to the great trait or the, <laughs> or the superpower of uh, authenticity and about, I don't know, 
what's a good word for it about 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 making it about the people. I've kind of had this mantra for a long time that it's about the people. You know, that's just it's not really something I think about. It's just there. It's just there. And it as opposed to being something I think about, it's maybe something that I can lean back on and go back in, into a place of comfort when I'm sort of checking a decision and go like, well, yeah, but you know, like, like, yes, this is correct because it is, it is about them. So just do that. If your gut is telling you to do that, you know, even though it seems like maybe not the right thing for the business, but that's what you should do. So to do it. And has it always been a, you know, something that you had like a, a quality or a skill that you've always had, or is that something that you've developed over time? I've been able to, you know, if you use the sort of archaeologist uh, metaphor, like I've been able to to dust it off and find it. I think it's always been there, but, you know, I've been able to get more, more clarity, you know, as I've, you know, as I have through the, through the ninja program and on the ninja path, been emboldened to look for mindset, authenticity, pick whatever word you want. Yeah. And been, you know, been encouraged to hold that as something that's vital and true and important versus, hey, there, here's this program where you have to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And I think to jump in on the mindset here just really quick is that, again, I think it's one of those misnomers that a lot of people think that, oh, you get this great mindset and you're done. Like, that's like your foundation's built and you're going. And, you know, with every given market and every different different situation and and maybe even a client you get to work with, like your mindset can get torn down. And I I know we've done a lot of work over the years where you've been going one route and I got to kind of go, come back over this direction. Like, let's look at this from a different angle. Let's get a different perspective on this. Let's talk this out for a second. Then all of a sudden you're like, all right, we're good. And you can keep going. And I think a lot of people don't realize that of having, having somebody in your world that you can bounce those kinds of ideas off to check your mindset. Cause our mind, our minds can run in wild, crazy directions sometimes and get the best of us. We're all built that way. I know we've done a lot of work with that over the years of kind of wrangling in mindset and bringing it back. Yeah. Yeah. Garrett, that's right. And I'll, I'll excitedly obviously say that I think that for me, a critical piece of this was to, if we get down to nuts and bolts to figure out what I needed to do in my physical world to get there. Right. So, you know, for me, if I start the day feeling behind, the whole thing's blown out. You know, I'm, I'm guessing there are people who can start the, start the day feeling behind and it's fine within 15, 20, 30 minutes. But for me, if I start the day behind, it's, it's not good. Right. So, you know, it took, I don't know, a decade or so to, to figure out that, all right, look, if I want to start the day level or ahead, that means I need to get up early and I need to sit and reflect and do these things. And if I'm going to do that, well, what does that mean for the night before? Well, for the night before, that means I need to not put X, Y, or Z into my body and go to bed. Right. Anyway, I don't know how I got off on that, but I, I think that I guess I, I you know, I, I, I wanted to get to a real world example here of kind of, you know, how it all works. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, let's kind of follow that path for a second. We'll come back to like, sure. I'm sure everybody wants to know, like, well, how, how does Mike Doyle like do the tactics and strategies and all that stuff? And we're going to talk about that. But I think there's also a big element here of getting you know, your life together. You'd mentioned to me that like, Hey, if it, if it wasn't for Garrett helping me also on the personal side of things and getting that, like the, the real estate business wouldn't be where it is. So 
you know, share with us a little bit about like, how did that come into coaching for you? Like when you started this relationship with Garrett, I'm sure initially you're like, Hey, I, I, I want to get this real estate thing going, give it an extra shot. At what point did all of a sudden, you know, the personal life and getting that organized for yourself come into play? So, I mean, I'll say this is probably true for most people, but you know, it's all, it's all connected, right? You Absolutely. know, your, your, your work life and your personal life and, you know, your success at home is related to your success at the office, et, et cetera. Maybe I was a bit more sideways than most people. No, you weren't, but keep going. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's possible though. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I mean, what, what I had to figure out in my life was, you know, was I going to marry the person or be forever with the person that I was with? And was I going to have kids? And what did that look like? And, you know, I had a, what I will call baggage from my childhood about, you know, about marriage and the possibility of divorce and, and, and all that. So, you know, I mean, for me, this comfort, I guess, in, doing this business in a way that was genuine using a system that is, you know, really a life, call it a lifestyle system, a mindset system, not lifestyle in the sense of board shorts and, and flip-flops, but, but uh, I'll say important, you know, important to one's holistic life. You know, I really had to address that part of it too. I couldn't focus as well then as I could now on doing the things that I need to do to be there for my clients because I had a whole part of my life that wasn't, that wasn't solved that, you know, that had a bunch of question marks in it. So, you know, I, I don't think we were recording at the time, but earlier, earlier in this call, we were discussing Garrett's son, Otto at my wedding as what, an eight-year-old? It might've been younger than that. He might've been six, but keep going. Yeah. Seven. We're close. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't, a question to me as to whether I would invite Garrett and Sarah and the kids to my wedding, it just made a bunch of sense because I felt like I was largely there at that point in my life due to the work we'd done together. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that brings us to, you know, uh, pick the right coach, right? You know, if you, <laughs> if, 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 you don't, if you don't have somebody that you feel that way about or can feel that way about, then maybe you're not in the right spot. Good point. Because it, you know, it is a, <laughs> I have gotten Garrett to the point where he has said, hey, look, I'm not a psychologist, but is it is that intimate a thing that, uh, that, that, that that level of comfort is important. And I totally forgot what the question was, but. <laughs> I th Well, I think what I'd like to add into this is that it's very easy for people to make coaching mechanical. And I know all of our coaches have experienced it where, you know, we get into working on the business and we start asking questions about, you know, what does your life look like outside of this business? And we've had coaching clients that will flat out say, that's not why I'm hiring you. I'm hiring you for the mechanics part of the business. I want performance and that's that's it. That's it. Like, it, don't, don't talk to me about my kids. Don't talk to me about my hobbies. Don't talk to me about like, this is what I need. And, mm. and I find the most healthy coaching relationships that I've had. And Mike, we've coached for literally, I think, 17 years. We have... Uh, I have a lot of people that I've coached in the 10 plus range. And I look at what has made those relationships go that long is that it's not just the mechanics of how do you do a listing presentation and how do you show up for a buyer and, and you know, how to hire a professional photographer. Like we do get into all the nuts and bolts and all the moving pieces of these worlds that you all have. Dude, I have you, I have you documented for weeks for 17 years. I've got notes. I got a lot. I know a lot about you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it. 
<laughs> perhaps more than I know myself. <laughs> if I may jump in, though, I think that this is a this is a critical thing when we're talking about coaching real estate brokers, because we are in a role that as much as we might be challenged by, you know, the emotional pulls of it with our clients, that is there, you know, and we can't, sure, we can go in and say, hey, look, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just here to sell your house. But, you know, we are ignoring, if we do that, a large part of what is really going on, right? And so I just think there's a super interesting parallel there that it would make sense, I think, that a real estate broker would be able to talk about more than just the mechanics of how high can I jump, how fast can I run with their coach, because the work we do is so intimate. Particularly when you're looking to create a lifestyle with Ninja in general, right? Goal is increase your income per hour so you can have a life, right? And yeah. I, I don't know a single person who's, who doesn't have in somewhere in their reasons for getting into real estate that they want a different type of lifestyle, that they want control over their time, right? And so when it comes into performance coaching for real estate, that has to be on the table, right? And, you know, from for you, Mike, that was a pivotal point for you too, right? I mean, did you see your business then as, hey, hey I'm going to settle down, going to get married, we're going to have kids. Like, was that a inflection point then for your business as well? Probably. I don't know. You know <laughs> we, 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 have, we, have, we have to be better than I am at tracking performance at all. Well, I'm sure Garrett probably knows the some of those notes. I got notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and, then, and then overlaying it. Well, I'll say this, Matt. I mean, I certainly, as my personal life got settled, which seems like the wrong word because it can mean compromise, but as my personal life was established in a better way, it certainly got easier for me to think about, you know, what I wanted to do professionally and made it a whole lot easier when I wasn't thinking about, you know, these discussions with Holly about what does the future hold and questions about kids. When all that was settled, it certainly gave me more brain space to, you know, think about how to show up for other people. Well, if you look at the trajectory of living in a loft downtown, with Holly, mm -hmm. to bringing a baby into that loft. I clearly remember being on coaching calls with you when you were like, dude, I am trying to do my systems, but I am in a loft in downtown Seattle. I got a crying baby in the next room. Like, I'm barely here on this call with you right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, those are all real life situations as we're trying to grow and be the best we can be. And uh, I've told people forever, there, there is no better incentive than being responsible for somebody else. You know, you bring a, a spouse into the world, your responsibility goes up even more because you're not just worried about yourself. Now you're worried about making the best for you and this other person that you truly care about and love. And then you bring children into the world and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's the whole game has gotten even more real. And now we need to show up and we need to do this at a different level and grow and provide a life for these guys. And I think that's where it's kind of inevitable as you grow over this time. I mean, we could probably go back and label it right down to when you were like, okay, I got to take this serious. Like I got to really show up and do this the right way. So I think it would probably correlate pretty evenly. Yeah, probably. Probably. I just, uh, as you were saying that, Garrett, I was obviously not 100% listening because I thought, what about the leap of faith that that both of these paths require, right? Both in turn, you know, 
the marriage or long-term partnership and family path. And I don't know, staring into maybe not a great real estate economy and just deciding that we are going to keep our mindset, do our systems and that the universe will provide, right? There's an analogy there. Oh, definitely. There's an analogy around, but there's also the, the fundamental of success leaves clues. And I think if you look at a successful business, you can look at a business and see why one failed or why it succeeded after the fact and go like, well, it makes total sense. Right. You can look at a marriage and go, okay, well, understand why did it fail or why, you know, why did it succeed? It makes total sense when you can look back on it. And I think there are just fundamental underlying pieces that are like, we got a pretty good shot that we're going to have success with this journey that we're about to you know, venture into. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we go into all of our future endeavors with the, we got a pretty good chance of success here. Otherwise, if you're going into it going like, yeah, we got a 90% chance this is going to blow up. But let's go for it. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> well, Mike, Mike, Liz, lean into the faith a little bit there because I'm curious in, in your development of that, right? Because there's a lot of scarcity in this industry. A lot of people come into it saying, gosh, I, I need that next paycheck. Otherwise, these bad things are going to happen. And and they're really surviving baseline from scarcity, right? Like the focus is so hard on that, that they're just keeping their head above water. Yeah. And when you talked about mindset early in this episode, clearly you have developed a very resilient perspective and abundance mindset, you know? And so how, how did you develop that faith to say, Hey, you know, things are going to work out. I don't know how, but you know, I believe that this is going to work. I believe in my business and I believe in myself. How did that develop for you? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. It just (laughs) happened. Was there a point where you didn't have that faith? Oh, sure. Yeah, Matt. And you know, I mean, look, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that there are little voices every now and again that go, hey, man, wait a second. Wait a second. Of course. I was thinking recently about how several months ago, Holly and I bought a different second home and- we borrowed a huge chunk of money and I said, I'll, I'll use the sum. I said, hey, that's cool. I'll just go out and make another half million dollars. It's going to be fine. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I said, <laughs> and I said I'll just go make it. It'll be okay. So, you know, that doesn't answer your question, but like, you know, wh- where does that come from? I don't know. I mean, I think it comes from getting myself in the place where I needed to be with mindset to where I feel in control. How about that? That's it. It's control, right? It's me waking up in the morning, feeling good, popping out of bed, just being thankful to be alive, making my cup of coffee. You know, it's funny. I'm picturing it as I do it. Make my cup of coffee, grab my book about health, sit down, read my book about health, you know, sip my coffee, close the book, do my affirmations, think about people I really care about and love, think about my team members, you know, and go from there, right? So, I guess the faith comes from the from the grounding, maybe. I love that. I, I, I've always said like faith and action go together yeah. to build this strong, you know, belief system that we have because you can say I believe something, but what do your actions say about that? And you've developed that that correlation. Garrett, have you at the beginning, I have a feeling that maybe these two things weren't as well connected as they are now for Mike. So can you share that perspective from your end? 
Well, Mike, what you just said, and I definitely will go down to answer your question directly, Matt, but what I, what you just said about having control and having that mindset of, I'll just go make a half million dollars. Like, we'll just, we'll make that happen. That'll offset this. We'll be great. Where there's a lot of realtors, there's a lot of business professionals that don't have that, that, that they haven't created that for themselves yet to be able to say that. And I was kind of trying to rip it back down to there's certain things we learn in our life. There's a certain point in our life where we don't know how to make breakfast for ourselves, let alone make breakfast for others to you know, create a breakfast. But at some point, any one of us sitting here on the phone on this call right now can very easily go like, what, you want breakfast? I'll make breakfast. Like, I'm going to go do that. I know exactly what to get. And hey, if the stuff isn't here, I'm going to run down to the store and I'm going to buy it. And you guys are all going to sit back saying, hey, thanks for making breakfast. We know the control and we know that we have the control and we know the pieces that make that work. It's just ingredients that make the final outcome that we want. When you understand the ingredients and you understand how that process works, it's very easy to be like, I'm just going to make, we'll just go make another $500,000. Like, we'll just go do it. And I think that's where you, you got to the simplicity side of making breakfast. But for you, like, that's really what you now understand about how you work, the relationships you have, the understanding of real estate, the professionalism that you bring into the Seattle marketplace. Like, that's not a, I hope I'm going to make another 500,000. It's just like, let's just go create it. Just like one of us creating breakfast. So you weren't always that way. I mean, then that's something that you've grown into. You know, again, we've been in this long enough together that I, I remember the times of how are we going to hit certain numbers and how are we going to grow? And there was a certain place way back when we're making 500 in a year wasn't exactly something that you believe that you could do. Yeah. And you are one now. I have a, I have a joke that I say about a handful of people that I coach, which is all they got to do is dip their toe in the water and all the fish jump. And I've said it about Mike before is that, you know, all you do, I'll just embrace the systems right now. Like if you're feeling a little bit of scarcity, a little bit of lack, lean into the systems because all you got to do is dip your toe in the pond and all the fish are going to jump. And that's the way it's always been. Yeah. Uh, may I jump in on something? Sure. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how, you know, obviously that is a huge sum of money and I'm in a super lucky place to even be able to say that. Right. And there's this thing that happens and with a lot of people, I think, and did happen with me for a long time. That was, that feels like taking from, right. To be able to say that I can go get that. And how do I reconcile that with the fact that I really care about all these people in my world? And so I'd say, Matt, like, I don't know, I don't know when this happened, but when you ask about sort of, you said it in a different way, but when, when things click and fall into place, like, I know, I was going to say, I firmly believe, but I know that me going out and showing up for people results in money landing around me and that. Both of those things are good, right? It's not it's not a taking from. It's a, you know what? It's a showing up and being there in order to help. And that everybody gets value from that. That that really it's just like the, you know, it's it's the result of engagement. Yeah. Right. I mean, I could otherwise I could otherwise not engage and I wouldn't have those things and I wouldn't be giving my expertise and my heart and my services to my people. They would go find that elsewhere. But these two things can and do work together. And, you know, and that's a good thing. I don't know if you still do this, but I remember early on, when I say early on, let's go back 10 years ago. I remember written into your business plan and something you're like, I want to do this every year going forward. You're like, I just want to do one deal pro bono. 
there's people out there that need my help, that need my service. Sometimes there's deals that come together that are difficult and I want, and you're like, it's not about the money. The money will all fix itself, but I would love to be able to take that a piece of it out of the equation and just be there to help somebody sometimes. Yeah. And I, and I always admired that about you. I don't have, a, you know, out of all the people I've ever coached, you're the only one that's even thrown that on the table of like, let's just make that part of our business. And uh, you did it for a couple of years. I remember you talking about like, yeah, I just, I just took care of that deal for somebody. It's okay. Like it's done. And you were really genuinely excited about getting to help somebody. And I think again, it, it's not, I think that really explains the difference of gathering money and taking money out there. And I'm going to, you know, get this money from people to like, it's really a gift that's given to me for me providing great service and helping people and taking care of them. It just comes into my world. I think it's a really great place to look at it from. Yeah. I like that. Since we're on that, let's kind of talk about some of these systems then as well, right? You know, because for those listening, Mike, you're now, you know, gross commissions well over seven figures, right? You've grown to a really awesome place. And and I want to talk about some of the things that you do regularly to get you there. We know that phone calls isn't really one of them, right? Right. We try. We, we try. We try so hard. We try. But we do a lot of other things that lead to in-person actions because I think a lot of people correlate phone calls with Ford conversations. And Ford conversations can happen everywhere. Mike, you love to do them in person. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you deploy in your system to make sure that you are creating these circumstances where you get to have conversations so you can meet people in person and all of that stuff? Yeah. You nailed it, Matt. For me, it's really it's really about face-to-face forward. And the way that I try to think about it is just finding ways and places to be physically present. So, you know, what did I do last year? I did, I think I did three holiday parties. That's what I was just going to say. How many holiday parties <laughs> did you do? Keep going. Yeah, there's either three or four. And they, they weren't massive. You know, they were each about 40, maybe 50 people. Which I have, I have also figured this out that a hundred person party is hard for me. It's challenging because I don't really get to, I don't get to say hello to a hundred people in a hundred person party, but I get to say hello to 40 or 50 and I get to find out a little bit about what's going on uh, with most of them in that scenario. So, you know, I figured out maybe a couple of years ago, but at least did it last year that, you know, breaking it up was a, was a good thing. Now sitting in an, in an office in South Lake Union in Seattle, which has pretty good concentration of people that I know and might run into when I'm headed out for lunch, let alone, you know, having scheduled lunch with somebody a block or two away. I thought about this yesterday in the gym. I mean, this is one of the crazy things about this role. I went to the gym midday yesterday because I hadn't done it in the morning for various reasons and I wanted to get it done. And I was two or maybe three people in my sphere that I ran into and had a quick chat with and really just got got a spark of energy from. So yeah, for Matt, for me, it's all about, it all points towards how do we get together? You've created an environment where you can physically, you've created your physical environment to put those opportunities out there, it sounds like, right? Like being in downtown Seattle, going to the gym, facilitating events. Walking my kids to school, being able to show up at soccer practice and to be there with my kid, whichever kid's going that particular day, you know, having, having engineered my life to allow that to happen quite a bit, which I then, I guess, then gets us into the, into the building of a team conversation. But 
but yeah, you know, for, for me, it's all about what am I, what am I doing that optimizes for that? And <laughs> it's, it's a now well-known secret. I don't make all the Ford calls that are prescribed, but I have figured out that, Hey, if somebody, you know, if this person pops into my head, like while I can feel that energy, while I can feel the glow of those previous interactions and really feel good and stoked to be able to just go, you know, Hey, Warren, what's up, man? I got nothing except for, I wanted to say, hi, how you doing? You know, then I, then I do that. When you'd mentioned to me too, before that you also utilize your other communication methods, text message and all these things to kind of pull out because these environmental instances, you don't, you could run into anybody, there's group settings, but yeah. getting down to one-on-one, you do use your text messaging and other things to kind of stoke also some of those one-to-one conversations, correct? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I try to, you know, the, the words didn't come out because they didn't feel right, but I was going to say, I try to turn those into meeting up with people, yeah. but that's really the best way to put it is what I really want to do is see somebody. I'll say that I'm, I'm thankful that I'm in the position that I've got enough people in my world that, you know, anyway, I, I can't see everybody I want to see. So if I'm making that phone call, I, I really am interested in that person, right? I, I really do want to see them. So, you know, I want to turn that into, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee or when can we do lunch or you want to go to a hockey game or, you know, whatever it is. That's great. That's great. So Garrett, share a little bit about like how some of that stuff maybe has developed tactically in how you've been guiding and working with Mike over the years. And also what are some of the things that go on behind the scenes? Because we haven't really talked about where business comes from. I think Obviously, we're assuming that most of the business is referral, repeat customers, that kind of thing, all of the business most likely, you know, but obviously, Mike, you probably have the presence now where you're doing a lot of business. You also have just other people who come to you because they know who you are. But Garrett, what what are some of the, the structure that you've seen Mike put into place that's really working that maybe somebody who's newer in the business or struggling or saying like, man, I wish I could also just go and generate another half a million where it's like, well, here you go, do some of this stuff. Fundamentally up front, Mike brings his heart into the relationship, which is a, is a huge foundation piece of it. And we talked about mindset and having a great mindset because as much as people think that they can hide what's going on internally, everybody can see right through that and they decide whether they want to spend more time with that person or maybe distance themselves. And it's even subconscious decisions that are made. It's not a conscious level decision of why do I not want to spend time around that person? And so I think you know, with that being taken care of, Mike, I think what you've done really well and, and your business is very much relationship-based. There's very few times that I even kind of acknowledge or we've had conversations of you having to work with complete strangers. I find that you, you generate a lot of business in your own personal relationships. But one thing you've done really well is position yourself as a, as a really knowledgeable source of real estate in the marketplace. And not only position yourself like you are. I think a lot of people go like, what can I create that's going to allow people to think of me as a trusted advisor? And you've gone down the level of like, I am their guru when it comes to real estate. Like I know all the ins and outs. I know what's going on. I know all the buildings that are being built. I know why they're being built. I know who they're being built for. You know, I mean, the deep, deep, deep stuff, as well as like with Matthew Gardner, who Windermere employs as their chief economist for them, I think is that's where he's positioned as right now. Yeah. You mean you work hand in hand with Matthew to provide special seminars just for your clients to help them understand what's going on in real estate and what's happening out here. And uh, you bring so many facets to the table, as well as we talk about like postcards. 
I could look at your postcard marketing campaign for I don't know how many years now, and it is like unfazed. Like it is probably the most consistent marketing campaign I have seen of anybody out there. And for the most part, it's science. You don't do a whole lot of fluffy stuff. You don't do a whole lot of, here's all the list of all the farmer's markets downtown that you guys can go to. Yeah. Even though you could do the, here's our favorite family mountain biking trails. And here's the one I was once my son last week. Like you totally could do that. Yours is very, very science related of here's a recent sale. Here's what it's sold for. Here's the stats on that house. And very, very, very consistent. I think it's all those pieces that have led you to being that person that people just go to when they think of real estate. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. You got me excited about a, about a fluff piece. <laughs> that's cool. I hadn't thought of that one. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's going to take the place of spring forward, fall back one of these times. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Please, please, please replace oh, please, that one. Please, dear God, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never done one of those. I've never done one of those. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, you know, what I want to say is, <laughs> is one of the things that really helped in my development and in my confidence, I guess I'll say, is knowing that I was the person to help people, having the confidence that I was prepared, right? Like being able to say, throw me the ball. I got it. It's a great way to look at it. It's a great way to look at it. Throw me the ball. I got this. Like not everybody has the confidence to be like, I got this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's it's funny. It reminds me of, I've always uh, graded at the concept of fake it till you make it. Like when I hear somebody say that, I'll say, yeah, burn it till you earn it or something like that. Right. (laughs) But I I, I met somebody recently who said, and I thought it was really good. She said, yeah, okay. For those of you who are starting, fake it till you make it. Don't do that for very long, which is another way of saying, yeah, like build yourself up, do the things you need to do to be sure that that you know that you are the right person for the job. If you're not the right person for the job, the way that I started thinking about this recently, and I think it was in that presentation, if you're not the right person for for the job, bring somebody else in who is, you know, bring them in as part of the team, but become the right person for the job. Put the work in and practice, right? So that when you show up on the game field, you're ready to play. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like, Mike, you do a good amount of like research behind the scenes. Gary, you mentioned knowing the buildings, the developers, all this stuff, like what's going on so you can share that information with your people. I mean, how much of your time is spent just kind of absorbing and learning information to that you can be that expert? Gosh, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I would say 15 to 20% of my time is in networking discussions with other brokers, you know, just listening to what people have to say about what's going on, both in terms of deals that are coming and going and, you know, buildings downtown. You know, it's funny, Mike, because you were, you, you were on the think tank that we just recently did. And one of the number one conversations that came up where we were talking about being a, a pricing expert and understanding how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny. All the panelists came down to like getting out there, understand what's going on, being connected, asking questions, following properties. And I think you look at like your database. I mean, you can save 15 to 20% of the time, but I also think like that's who you've built your database around also is this natural group of people that whether it's a conscious, I need to go spend time to go understand the marketplace, or if it's a, 
I just understand the marketplace because of who I hang around. I feel like you've got a really tight social network that I've watched you build over the years that just allows you to be an expert because of the conversations that you're going out and doing and having. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the super cool things that's happened too is that, you know, as my business has grown and I've built my team, I've always got stuff going on and essentially all over town. So, you know, I may, I feel like I'm also just within the scope of our business. I'm able to look at it and say, yeah, okay. Like this is, you know, this is a theme that we're seeing across the neighborhoods and across price points. I mean, I think that's building that in though, to your, your lifestyle, so to speak. I mean, I think that kind of points to that is if you build your business around your lifestyle, then you're going to have those interactions. And it's, it's not necessarily as like, so, you know, I think a lot of the answers people are like, well, how, how does he not know the specifics behind this, this, and this? And it's like, well, because Mike, you've done such a great job of weaving everything together that now at this point, your environment just kind of helps you follow these quote habits of learning about what's going on, being in flow with people, which then lead to the opportunities where you, I'm sure you have this specific of like, hey, I got to do my customer service calls. Here's some people I need to follow up with to learn more about pain or pleasure, hot list, warm list, you know, those things. But you allow the environment you've built and the lifestyle to feed all that, which I think is really, you think about how we want to live with this business long term. It's a great way to do it. So kudos to you for, for putting that together so that that is what exists for you. Thank you. Yeah, Matt, when you say, uh, you use the example, how does he not know this? I'll say that, well, there's a greater theme here, but specifically, one of the things that I was really happy to figure out is that it's okay to not have every statistic, right? It's okay to not know every angle of one's business. For instance, this is the specific, I don't know, it's probably 10 or 15 years ago that when in an interview, you know, in a, in a listing presentation, when a potential seller would say, well, what's your sales price to list price ratio? I was able to say, you know, I don't know. And here's why that doesn't matter. <laughs> because, you know, if all I was doing was out trying to take listings at the lowest possible price in order to build that buffer, right? In, or, in order to prove that I could sell above the list price, you know, if that was my game, uh, then I'd be able to tell you that's not my game. My game is to is to do this in the way that feels best for you, you know, from a pricing perspective, that is. So I think that's interesting. I also want to do a quick, you know, run a quick tangent, if if I may, and say that that reminds me of how this sort of theme, I think, that Greg McEwen is on right now. You know, Greg McEwen of Effortless and Essentialism. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really geeking out on it yesterday when I was when I was in the gym listening to his podcast, but about separating the vital few from the many, you know, about the pursuit of clarity around noise. And I was just thinking about how, how important that is to get our brains in a place. And that, again, this brings me back to my, my quiet mornings, but to get our brains in a place where we can actually think in this world of tidal waves of information and noise. Anyway, something I'm interested in right now. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great. Well, so let's talk a little bit about it. We'll kind of like start to move into just a, a little bit about growth. Maybe Garrett, how you've helped Mike with this team building because it's a unique structure in a way, and then also just kind of some of the the key points about consistency and showing up and the longevity of this relationship the two of you had. So, at what point, Mike, did you look at and say, okay, if I really want to grow this thing, I need some help here. 
And I'm sure that was not a just one session discussion with Garrett on figuring that one out, right? I think we're still having a mic, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Garrett. <laughs> well, so Garrett, do you want to stoke that a little bit and just kind of share like what were you seeing in Mike's business where you're like, hey, you know, have you ever thought about like a TC or an assistant or something like that? So, and, and Matt, you can contest to this too, is that we always watch it with people as we're watching them grow their businesses. There's a certain place that they get to a spot where there is not enough time to handle all the business that they've created. And then what happens is, is then now you get into a place of either providing less service or working with less people. And Mike got into that space here. And I don't remember what year it was, but it was a long time ago because I remember we started having the discussions of we need to define what the rules of your game are, who you work with and what that is. And you put a very specific price point on it. That's how we kind of started to go down this route of like, well, what if, what if we just said at a million dollars, that's a breaking point. Anything above that, I'm going to take and I'm going to run with that. I'm going to work with anything below that. We're going to refer out. We're trying to decide what was the best way of doing that. Is it actually building a team of people underneath you that we're going to basically have be you know, working employees almost underneath you? Yep. Or is it creating these referral relationships? And I had learned this from a couple of different agents that I had coached that had worked with it, but I would say didn't take it kind of the level that you've taken it at, where it's really become an integral part of your business of you've got three people, I believe right now that you're like, I can just go like hand this stuff off. You've got a great working relationship that you can walk away and say, okay, they've got that taken care of. And it's taken a long time to get there. That wasn't an overnight flick the switch because to the audience, Mike is somebody that cares about his clients so much that the hint of it's not going to be right for the client makes him go, I can't have anybody else touch it. And it's been one of the things that I think a lot of us as growing our business and entrepreneurs and, and taking ownership of things have a hard time sometimes letting go of the reins on that to know that we've got the right people in the position. And Mike, you you have probably been the most resistant to like letting go of certain things and stepping back in. But at the same point, it's also what's made you have the relationships and the trust levels that you have with people. So yeah, uh, Matt, it hasn't been a quick switch. But um, it's all grown out of necessity. And I think in our coaching relationship, that's the beauty of talking often is I get to like take his pulse often and go, where are you right now? And there's some days that you are on the verge of having a breakdown of energy, negative energy coming out of you of like, this isn't working to like other times when we get on calls and you're like, oh my gosh, I saw a glimpse today. And I can see how this is going to work and it's going to be awesome. And those are those ones that we lean into those glimpses and try to go, okay, let's create more of that. And then there's the ones that's like, this isn't working. Then it's like, we need to fix that quickly come up with a new plan, new direction, new system around it potentially. And uh, I think that's how we've kind of handled it over the years is just constantly doing this checking of pulse and bobbing and weaving and figuring out new plans. Cause it's not, cookie cutter of like, oh, we, we, this is how ninjas do it across the United States. It's very much, how are we going to make this work in your business? And that's successful for you. Yeah. Did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it answered my question. And so Mike, what, what does that look like today then? Right. You know, cause you don't have the traditional quote team structure, so to speak. I mean, maybe on the outside, it looks like that, but you know, what does your organization look like? 
Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get there, man. <laughs> <laughs> but as you become accustomed to in this call, I'm going to go somewhere else first. No problem at all. It's funny, Garrett, to hear you talk about that and about our coaching. Number one, I want to resist and say, I'm never close to breaking down. What the? It's not energy. <laughs> but, you, but yes, it's that. And when I think about it, that I'm really glad we're having this discussion <laughs> because that tends to happen when I compromise my ability to take the leap of faith and say, you know what? In my heart, I know that I should bring Mark or Harold or Todd or Kat or whoever it is in to help me on this deal. I'm just going to do it myself. And then I realize when it's, you know, I want to say too late, but when it's a lot harder to bring somebody else in, then all of a sudden, because I've done that in a few different places and the concurrent fire drills have all landed at the same time where I'm like, man, you know, this is too much and it doesn't feel right. I've been working so much that now my morning routine is off. So, you know, like I feel like it, it breaks down when I don't remember to have that confidence in the team and in just the leap of faith that, that, that it works. So that's an interesting observation and realization for me on this, in this discussion. And real quick, before you go on, when we talk about that energy, Mike, of where you get to that, like, you know, as I said, like things aren't working. If anybody's picked up on Mike's energy, the, uh, a racing pulse for Mike is when I call Mike and I say, Mike, how's it going? And you go, you know, Garrett, to be honest, it's not great. It's not great right now. <laughs> and that, that for me is like, uh Oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. So Matt, how it started was, it's funny. I always think of this example and I think it actually happened, but it's been so long ago now, but I have in my mind that I needed to deliver a key to an office. You know, I think I had a listing, had to deliver a key so that the broker for the buyer could take that key and give it to the buyer. And concurrent with that, I was trying to get a deal done for a buyer client of mine in a multiple offer situation and really could have stood to focus on that, to, to even just sit in a dark room and think about, okay, what angle have I not tried? Should I be calling that other broker right now or should I give them 15 minutes? Should I send an email? If I do, what should that say? You know, I had on the one hand, this really important mission critical stuff that had to happen. And on the other hand, a silly, mechanical, you know, like thing that a courier could do. Right. So I remember thinking to myself, well, I should hire a courier. Well, it's too late to hire a courier because the key's got to be there before the office closes in 30 minutes. Right. Okay. Well then what I really need is somebody whose daily efforts I can direct somebody that, that I can take and say, you know what, everything else I said before, don't do that. That's tomorrow or later right now, please take this key over to that <laughs> office across town, right? So it started with something that simple and then has gone through many steps of, okay, great. You know, now, not only that, not only do I need your relief in this moment, but you are a better, the better person for this job, I think, to where now I have the confidence that, you know, for the things that I have my team do, that they are better position to do them than I am, right? You know, I think about this a lot in house prep. A lot of people aren't 
accustomed to the concept that they should hire a team. You know, they've had either bad experiences with teams or they just don't think that that's a good idea. You know, they know me and they don't know these other people. And, you know, I've got to be able to communicate to them, hey, look, you really don't want me coordinating these vendors because I'm not the right person for it. I will get frustrated with them. Anyway, it just it just isn't right. But Harold or Mark or Todd, yeah, you know, like they're really good at that. They should do that. And I'll say the number of things that my team has gotten better at has grown too. And I think that's really interesting too when we think about these teams is not only, well, one of, one of the things that I think about with the team is, hey, I need to be able to grow the value that I provide and what I do for people. So concurrent with that is, shouldn't the people on my team also be able to grow? And if I'm, if I'm not growing, if I'm doing, if I'm continuing to do the same things, I'm not giving them the space to grow. Here's an easy one. If I write the marketing remarks every time and don't give them the chance to take a first draft crack at it, then they never get good at that. Well, you know, now we've gotten to the point where they, you know, I don't know, 75% of the time I get the marketing remarks in my email and I modify them and I don't start from scratch. And it just happened yesterday that I think, I think I changed two words. Just so you could change two words, just because you're like, ah, <laughs> I need, I need to say I did something here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just so I can say, yeah, keep trying, keep trying. I think that's great. Well, I think, you know, I think that's awesome creating that space. I mean, and you mentioned to me too, that the agents that work on your team too, they have, they also have growth opportunities. They're not you know, hamstrung by like, oh, I always owe Mike this, right? Like if they bring in their own stuff, you know, they have the opportunity to grow their own businesses and and things as well without worrying about structures and things like that. Yes. Even though you all function as a very well-oiled machine. So I think that's great. Yes. And I, and I realized that you just referred to, and previously I think asked about the uh, a little bit more about the structure. And I'll say that, you know, the partner brokers that I bring on, you know, even though with Mark, I think I've been doing it for 14 years or so. Um, that's on a, you know, he's not a W-2. It's on a deal by deal basis, meaning that if he gets sick of me, uh, he can just stop and he gets to continue to do his own business. And I've found that, you know, that's great in a number of ways for the reasons I just cited, but also... I don't have to deal with payroll and and all that for more than two people. The two people on the payroll are me and Paige, my full-time assistant, and everybody else is is partner broker. It allows simplicity. It allows for them to do their own businesses. And quite frankly, it's better for my clients because typically the really good brokers, the people who are highly skilled, they don't want to be a W-2 employee on Michael Doyle Properties team. They want to go out and be their own person as well in their own network of people. They just maybe don't have the same business development luck that I have and, you know, are looking for some other work or they, or they think it's interesting or enjoy the abuse or whatever. But the structure allows us to have what I'll call really good people at every step, every, every moment of the transaction. I'll just lay out here that we just got a really nice compliment from a client who had previously hired a different team and wasn't satisfied with that when he and I were having discussions. 
was funny. We got to the third, about the third call and he said, you know, we've had three calls about this and you haven't said you wanted to do it. You know, I mean, do, do you not want the business? And I said, well, I, I, I want it if it's right for you and if it's right for me. And one of the things, you know, is that you have said that you wonder about this team and I'm, I'm not doing it without my team. So his experience with our team versus the other team in the end, you know, he said, look, you know, I was skeptical about teams because the other team experience I had, nobody knew what the other one was doing. So it created a mess of the whole thing. And it seemed like nobody was in charge with you all. Everybody knew what the other person was doing and you had the right people doing the right tasks. Amazing. So anyway, I felt really good about that. That's awesome. Garrett, anything to add into that part before we kind of go into wrapping this thing up? I don't think so. But I think one thing, I, I mean, I guess the last little piece I'll add into this, which is what I say to a lot of people, is it's easy to look at somebody like Mike and go, it almost feels like he's always been that way. It's always been this structure. It's easy to be a brand new agent and walk in the office and look at somebody and be like, oh, that's his business. And I Mike, what I want to say I appreciate so much about being able to go on this journey with you today is, is that it's hopefully showcasing exactly what I want people to see is, is that everybody's on their journey. Everybody is starting at some point in here. Some people may be halfway and you're not even done. You got a, you're on your journey currently right now. You got bigger things that you want to accomplish and where you want to go. You know, take that assessment of yourself if you're listening to this of like, where do I currently stand and where do I want to go and realize like... Where you're at right now, Mike, I think the, if I look back at way early on, probably weren't able to write the picture and say, this is what this is going to look like in any way, shape or form. But one thing you've been very good about over the years is constantly stopping and analyzing and saying, okay, do we go left or do we go right here? And we've had a great conversations over the years of, of discussing the left or the right and what are the, what are the wins and what are the downfalls and then taking a path and, and you take action with it and you run. And you go that direction and then we stop and we analyze of did it work? Did it not? We get to, we have another crossroads here. And uh, just to encourage anybody who's building their business with Ninja or anything out there, that's a really solid approach that will allow you to get to where you want to go. And hopefully you have somebody like Mike and I have had in our world to be able to bounce ideas off of and call BS on each other back and forth about whether we think we're right or wrong. And, and come somewhere halfway in the middle and, and go and take action. And Mike, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you because it's been a, an, an awesome journey. Thanks, Garrett. You and I have, I, th I mean, obviously a great rapport, but we have a really comfortable and valuable ability to test ideas and to do so in a, um, I don't know, I guess I'll call it a safe environment. I know that I can say, I'm not sure I believe that. <laughs> and, and and we could still come back around to, you know, me being convinced or more typically me just understanding that you meant something different than, than I thought you did. But as I've done a few times in this call, may I talk about something else? Of course. Yeah. Got it. Absolutely. You mentioned Garrett, something in what you just said about, uh, you know, making decisions and running with it and then going back and taking a look. I've been thinking a lot lately about decision-making and about how, at the, at the highest level of any business, I think, is somebody who is called upon to make a ton of decisions. You know, we just have to decide. It's as we talked about earlier, it's throw me the ball, right? Okay, I can make this decision. And a, a few things to say about that, but one of them is 
one of the things that I've done over the past few years that I think has been really helpful is to figure out how to, how to hear my gut, to figure out what noise was getting in the way of me really knowing what my gut was telling me. I mean, I distinctly remember thoughts like, well, what if you're, what if my gut doesn't know? What if my gut says it's not sure? And one of the things that I'm thankful for, you know, having occurred is that I've figured out how to peel away all the layers of noise so that, you know, I know, I I know what my gut's telling me to do. I think that's pretty critical. You know, I don't know if anybody else struggles with that or has struggled with it, but I think that that's super important. Makes me think of, I think it's, uh, it's Daniel Kahneman, Kahneman or Kahneman. And thinking fast and slow about, you know, number one, making sure that, you know, you think about, is this a decision that's critical or not? Should I just make it quickly and deal with whatever consequences? Or is this one of the few decisions that I slow down and I focus on? I'm again thinking about Greg McEwen, who in the reduction of noise discussions of late talks about your gut. I think this is fascinating. Your gut doesn't always tell you what to do but it will often tell you what not to do. We should be thankful for that and take that, you know, that that just, hey, stop, don't do that is enough. So anyway, we've all probably got those when we, if, you know, if we, if we review the tape where we think, yeah, if all I had done was just not that, <laughs> like, like <laughs> I'd be better. The situation would be different. Be yeah. better off, yeah. I love that. I'd be better off. So anyway, I felt like I wanted to get that out. Thank you. My pleasure. Also, may I talk about coaching in general? Yeah, I was going to ask you is like kind of like as we, you know, what are what are the things that you would say to somebody who's considering coaching? What are the things that you've gotten out of it? And what are the important parts of having that relationship that you want to make sure we highlight before we end? Yeah, I think the first thing, and I didn't say it this clearly when we spoke about it before, Matt, was like, just because you want to hire a coach doesn't doesn't mean you're broken, right? This is not a bad thing. This is not anything to to be shameful about or shy about. And for whatever reason, I think early on, I thought about it as, yeah, man, I really need some help here. You know, like, what's my problem? You know, and then fast forward 17 years and, you know, you pay more attention and you realize that pretty much every executive has a coach or a mentor in some form. And anyway, I think it's really important to think about that and think that, you know, these people are our sounding boards. And I think, as I think I said earlier, I mean, you want to pick the right one. You want to pick somebody that, you know, that is a, is an obvious attendee at your wedding. Otherwise, I don't know, you know, can you be that comfortable? Can you be that close with them so that can you really share if you don't have that closer relationship? That's a good point. And you had mentioned to me on the phone too, the long arc, right? And the consistency. So just share a little bit about that for... I know it kind of connects with where we started at the beginning of like performance versus like leaning into this, you know, all the aspects of what's going on in life. But talk about the consistency real quick as well. Obviously, if we if we care about our business, our business is, think about it this way. Like I'm not hiring a bookkeeper for only three months a year. And I would argue that coaching is far more critical than bookkeeping. But, you know, I'm hiring a bookkeeper for the entirety of the year. And, you know, it is a system that I can rely upon that these certain things happen. Similarly with coaching, you know, if, uh, if you just build it, you know, into your business model, you know that you've got that sounding board, you know that you've got that, 
feedback, you know, that you've got that accountability and you end up getting value outside of the call, right? I mean, I don't know how many times a week I think, oh yeah, you know, (laughs) I wonder what Garrett will think about this. Or I told Garrett I would do this. So I need to do this. Even just in the, the evening before or the morning of one's call thinking, oh yeah, right. I'm supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z. You know, you get value out of that, even if you never had the phone call. It's a great point. So Garrett, anything that you'd like to add before we close this out? This has been amazing conversation, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I really feel like, again, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground here and there's probably a lot more we can talk about. And Mike and I were joking as we kind of got in, into this call of like, we could go down some funny personal stories and things like that, but we really felt that for the value of the of the listeners out there that uh, they didn't need to hear us running around downtown Seattle uh, together years ago. I do think, and I just want to resonate with one last thing, which is I always tell people finding the right coach is probably the most critical thing you can do. And just because I, you know, I've coached Mike doesn't mean I'm the right coach for everybody because we've had success. That person that you find that you can really resonate with is probably one of the most important factors that you can you can have. It's like being in a, any type of relationship with anybody, um, and you need to respect each other. You need to be open to communication and learning from each other. And it's mutual. It goes both ways in the coaching relationship. And that's what I think made it work for us, Mike, so well. And any of the people that I coach is that that we've been able to develop that relationship in any of our coaches, even for you, Matt. I mean, 100%, like you, you've experienced it that. Yeah, absolutely. When you can get into that type of trust and relationship level with your coach, anything is possible. You guys can go create anything you want. And Mike, I just appreciate that we've been able to have that relationship over all these years and uh, been super fun. And uh, it just, I think it's overlooked how important it is. So thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I've obviously enjoyed it and uh, and keep coming back for more. So thank you. Every week. I talk to Mike every week. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible, man. Well, Mike, thanks so much for hanging out with us, sharing all this and spending, you know, your quality time with us this morning as we watch the sunrise in Seattle there. Oh yeah. You got it behind me. Behind you. It's been wonderful. Michael Doyle with Windermere in Seattle. If you know, I'm sure some people might be reaching out. Please, please. Like guys, join us in our podcast group too, because if you're listening to this, there's a video of this that is published in our Facebook group. If you just go to Facebook and look for the Ninja Selling Podcast, you can join that group and you can see this entire interview if you're listening to it now. And Mike's in there, obviously Garrett and I are in there. So check that out. Mike, thanks again so much. And Garrett, thank you as well, man, for putting this together. This has been an amazing conversation. Yes. Thank you both. Well, I, I appreciate you hosting it, man, because I, again, I knew we'd get stuck in the weeds if it was just Mike and I goofing around. We, we, we <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many times Matt pulled this out, but at least 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thanks to you both. Thanks to the listeners for sticking with us. Hope that you guys have a great day. And um, if you want to learn more about Ninja Selling, head over to ninjaselling.com. And if you're looking for a coach up at the top there, there's a little coaching button. You can click on that to find personal coaching and reach out so that we can connect you with a great coach who you would want to invite to your wedding as well. So guys, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, everyone. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like more, visit us at the ninjasellingpodcast.com. There you will also find links for more information about ninja selling and coaching. Have an incredible day.